Well, good morning. Welcome to this service at Bible Baptist Church right here in Big Timber, Montana. Thank you for joining us here for this video service during our time of quarantine on this March 29th on this Sunday morning. I'm so glad you've decided to tune in and follow along with us as we study here out of God's Word today. I hope we got some things that will be able to be a blessing to you. And boy, I can't wait till we can get back together and we can join here as a church in the house of God. You know, I'm thankful for the things that we have by these ways of technology and we can reach out and minister uh, to your heart through the way of the internet and through these videos. But there's just nothing quite like being in the house of God and being able to worship with your brothers and sisters in Christ. You know, I can't wait to be able to get back with all of you. You know, a church family, we miss you. We love you. We look forward to being back together again very soon. And maybe you don't have a church home. If you don't, we would love to invite you to come back as soon as we're able to get back together again. And you're looking for a place where you can jump in and get involved. Hey, why not here at Bible Baptist Church? We would love to get to know you and just be able to minister and to love on your family. Well, if you would, we're going to go ahead this morning. We're going to jump into the message. So today we're going to be in the book of Joshua. Once again, we're going to be turning over to the book of Joshua. We were there not too long ago, and we're going to be looking at chapter number 2. If you know anything about me, the book of Joshua is one of my favorite books of the Bible. And I love studying the man. I love studying the man of Joshua. He's such a strong man, such a strong character. He had a lot of good qualities about him. And boy, I just love studying this dear man of God. So we've got some things we're going to study though today that happened alongside the life of Joshua as he was commanding the armies of, uh, of the nation of Israel as they were leading into uh, the promised land. So what we're going to do is I'm going to spend a little bit of time here reading the scriptures. And I'm going to tell you what it is we've just read. I'm going to give you a whole backstory, And we're going to talk about some things here in the scripture. But if you have your Bible, I'll go ahead and ask you if you'd like to turn with us. I'm going to be opening up to the book of Joshua chapter number 2. If you'd like to follow along with us here in uh, Joshua chapter number 2 is our scripture today. Before we jump in, there's something I always like to do. I like to ask a question. I like you to, to go ahead and be on board with where we're going for the message today. That way you can kind of have your ear tuned in to what we're going to be reading and what we're going to be learning from it. Today we're going to learn this. And I, and I want to make sure I adequately portray what I'm trying to say. I don't want to misrepresent God when I say this. So bear with me as I present the whole thing. Today we're going to look at this. How sometimes God's plan seems a little bit messy. We're going to see how God's plan seems a little bit messy. Now notice I said this. I said the word God's plan seems messy. Now listen, God, we know our God does things decently. He does things in order. He does things perfectly. But when it seems messy, it's because it's from our point of view. It's the way that maybe we just don't have a clear understanding yet of what it is that God's trying to do. So right now in your life, maybe you're trying to figure out what God's plan is for you. You're looking around and trying to figure out, man, what is, what is it that God's trying to do? Why is He opening up this door? Why is He shutting that door? Why is He allowing this to happen? Why isn't He allowing this to happen? And man, my life just seems to be one jumbled up mess. You know, do you ever feel that way? Do you ever feel like you just can't seem to get a grip on what's happening? Now, one of two things could be going on. Number one, well, you could just be completely off of God's plan altogether. You know, that's not what we're talking about today, but that is an option. It is possible that I'm trying to figure out what's going on with my life because I'm not even on board with what God wants. 
Now, on the other hand, you could be exactly where God wants you, and maybe where He has you has your head spinning. You're trying to figure out why along the lines of God's life, or on the long lines of your life, how God is sending you down a path that's just had some, it's had some twists. Man, it's had some turns. You've had this happen with your family. You've had this happen with your family. And man, now we've got people all across America that are out of work. We've got people that are losing family members. We've got people that are sick. We've got things that are just, just seem to be messy right now. Now, how could that be part of God's plan? How could we say that God is still directing and working in this situation? See, now, we don't believe that God causes every bad thing to happen, but I do believe this. We do believe that when bad things do happen, God's still there with you. God can still be there taking care of you. And maybe your life just took a strange turn. Maybe something just happened that threw you completely for a loop, and, and you know you're doing what God wants you to. So now how come He's directing you this way? What do we do when God's plan in our eyes gets a little bit messy? You know, maybe some of you have heard this illustration before. You know, I remember that uh, my mother, there used to be these times where she would, uh, she would make these things. I believe they called it cross-stitch, and forgive me if it's not. But I remember my mother, she would go and she would sit down on her couch, and she would pull out this wooden ring, and then she would have this piece of cloth. She would put the cloth in the ring, and then she would take a needle and some string and some thread. And this thread would have all kinds of different colors on it. And she would take this, uh, this ring, and she would put the needle down, then back up, then down, then back up, then down, then back up. And she would start to follow a pattern. Then she would tie off this color. Then she would switch to green. And then she'd have green, down, up, down, up, down, up. And then she would switch to white, down, up, down, up. And I remember as a little boy, I would walk up to my mom and I would see what she was doing. Now, as I'm here down looking up at my mother, my mother was on the couch and she was looking at the ring like this. And she was going in and out, in and out. And I'm watching, and here she is looking at her ring. Now, you know what my mom sees? My mom is seeing a beautiful picture that she's making. She's doing a piece of artwork, isn't she? She's making something, and she's starting to see how this thing is working out. She did a good job of it. Now, as a little boy, do you know what I saw? I was on the other side of this ring looking up. And you know what I saw? I saw a big jumbled up mess of strings hanging everywhere. I didn't see what was going on. Now I'm looking at that and I'm thinking, Mom, how can what you're doing, you call that art? But I just didn't see it the way she was seeing it. So you see, sometimes our life, we look at it and it looks messy. Our life will look messy because we're looking at it the wrong way. We don't see it the same way God does. We don't see it through the same point of view as He does. You see, He's on the top looking down. We are from the bottom looking up. And I see a completely different picture. I see what looks like a jumbled up mess. But God looks at it and He says, that's my perfect plan. So here's our question for today. What do you do when God's plan looks a little bit messy? What do you do when God's plan looks a little bit messy? How do you know when God's plan is even getting kind of messy? Just because things look messy 
doesn't mean you're necessarily out of God's plan. Let's go ahead and jump in. We're going to look at a plan today that by our accounts, if I were one of the people in this story, I would look at the things going on and say, man, that all just happened to work out just perfectly. But you know, I believe it was all part of God's plan. And we're going to see how this messy order of events turned out to be something grand. Let's go ahead and start reading in Joshua chapter number 2. I'm going to start reading in verse number 1 as we begin to see how sometimes God's plan is, looks a little bit messy. So Joshua chapter number 2, verse number 1. The Bible says this, And Joshua the son of Nun sent out of Shittim two men to spy secretly, saying, Go view the land, even Jericho. And they went and came to an harlot's house named Rahab and lodged there. And it was told the king of Jericho, saying, Behold, there came men hither tonight of the children of Israel to search out the country. And the king of Jericho sent unto Rahab, saying, Bring forth the men that are come to thee, which are entered into thine house, for they become to search out all the country. And the women took the two men, or the woman, excuse me, and took the two men and hid them and said thus, There came men unto me, but I wist not whence they were. And it came to pass about the time of shutting of the gate when it was dark, that the men went out with her. And the men went, I wot not. Pursue after them quickly, for ye shall overtake them. But she had brought them up on the roof of the house and hid them between the stalks of flax, which she had laid in order upon the roof. And the men pursued after them the way to Jordan unto the forge, and as soon as they which would pursue after them were gone out, they shut the gate. And before they were laid down, she came up to them upon the roof, and she said unto the men, I know that the Lord hath given you the land, and that your terror has fallen upon us and that all the inhabitants of the land faint because of you. For we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for you when you came out of Egypt, and what ye did unto the two kings of the Amorites that were on the other side of Jordan, of Sion and Og, and whom ye utterly destroyed. As soon as we heard these things, our hearts did melt. Neither did there remain any more courage in any man because of you. For the Lord your God, He is God in heaven above and in earth beneath. Now therefore I pray you, swear unto me by the Lord, since I have showed you kindness, that ye will also show kindness unto my father's house, and give me a true token. And that ye will save alive my father and my mother and my brethren and my sisters, and all that ye have deliver out of the lives from death. And the men answered her, Our life for yours, if ye utter not this our business. And it shall be when the Lord hath given us the land, that we will deal kindly and truly with thee. Our Lord, I pray that you would help us to understand something about this passage here this morning. Lord, maybe it would be right now someone that would hear this message that their life is starting to look a little bit messy. They're following your will. Lord, they want to do what's right. They want to honor you. But still, somehow, your plan seems to be throwing them off track. Somehow, still, your plan seems to be confusing them or or beginning to look a little messy. Lord, help us to understand what we ought to do. And may we understand that just because things are a little off or unusual, it doesn't mean you're not still in control. Lord, help us to follow after you in all these things. And it's in Jesus' name we ask for this help. Amen. Now, 
Folks at home, I'm going to be sharing something with you here in just a moment. We're going to be studying really two different things. We're going to be studying how, yes, and we're going to prove that sometimes God's plan doesn't seem to fit all neat and tidy the way we think it should. And then we're also going to study a little bit about what you can do and what you ought to do when this thing begins to look a little confused and messy and how you can still stay true to God's plan. The first thing I want to show you is this. We're going to look here at Joshua chapter 2. I want to tell you the story. You see, during this time, what had just happened was this. You had Joshua, Moses had died, and now Joshua, this military leader, he's leading the nation of Israel. And they're getting ready to cross over the Jordan River, and they are going to be going into the land, and they are going to take Canaan's land. They're going to take the promised land. It's going to be their land. And man, they're going to take it. They're going to take the promise that was given to them. Now, they're getting ready to go into a place, though. There's something that's in the way. There's this town called Jericho. Maybe you've heard the song, the children's song, Joshua fought the battle of Jericho. And the, I remember as a little boy, we would sing that song. We would march around the room, and, and we'd talk about how the walls came tumbling down. Man, it's a great story. But before all that happened, Joshua did the thing a good military leader would do. He sent out a recon mission. Joshua took a couple of his men and said, All right, boys, now listen. I want you to go and I want you to search out this land. I want you to go and find and see if this land is something that, that we can really take. I want you to go and see what this land really looks like. So here these, these spies went. Boy, they took off into this land. And here's something very interesting happened. Here they are as an enemy. These two spies are going behind enemy lines. They are going into Jericho where the enemy is. And they get into the land and they start, they start looking things out. They're starting to see, okay, over here's, a, uh, over here's their armory. All right, yeah, over here's their, their bowmen. Man, they've got, man, they've got bowmen set up everywhere. They have, these, they have these great, large, these garrisons. Man, they've got this, they've got that, and they're, they're spying everything out. And while they're there, it comes to a point where they needed a place to stay. They needed a place to hide because they were found out. Now, do you know where the Bible says they ended up finding a place where they were going to hide and where that was going to be? The house they came to stay? It was at a harlot's house. The Bible uses the word harlot. We would say this is a modern day prostitute. That's the word for what this lady was. So now you have God's two men. They go in through an open door into a prostitute's house. That's where they are going to go to stay the night. That's where they are going to go to take shelter. That's where they are going to go to hide. Now, are you already starting to see how this is starting to look maybe a little messy? Why would God's men ever go into a place like that to hide and take shelter? And while they're there, here comes the soldiers. They're going door to door. Hey, we know there's some men here. Where are they? Where are the men? We're looking for them. And so while these soldiers came, they come to the harlot's house. Her name was Rahab. And they knock on Rahab's door. And then sure enough, here are the spies. They're inside this prostitute's house. While they're in this house, here they are. They're, they're hiding and they're trying to figure out, oh man, what's this lady going to do? I could just see one of the spies looking at the other. Man, I think Joshua... He's going to sell, I'm sorry, I think, I think Rahab, man, she's, she's going to sell us out. Man, she's going to take us and she's going to, she, she's going to sell us out, man. She's going to turn us in. There's, there's no way that this is what, uh, what really ought to come of us. And So sure enough, 
as the guys, as they came, as those soldiers came, they knocked on the door and they said, Oh, hey, hey, uh, hey, Rahab, we, we know, we've seen those men. Where are they? We've seen the spies. And so Rahab, this lady, this harlot, she does something interesting. She defects. She commits treason against her own country, you could say. She looked at those two soldiers and she says, Oh, boys, now let me tell you. I, I want you to know I've seen him. I know the guys you're talking about. Yeah, I did see him. But they're, they're not here, though. If you go ahead and go and you run, don't worry. You'll be able to catch up after them. So those soldiers, they left. They went running out of the city. And what had happened was Rahab, she took these spies and she hid the spies upon her roof where she had some crops were, where the, uh, the, uh, the flax, you would say, would kind of like we would look, would almost be almost like a, a bale of hay, so to speak. That's what it would have looked like. And they were, they were hiding up there on the roof. Rahab hid these men. So you have a prostitute who is committing treason, who lied to these guards, who hid the guys that were coming in, these other warriors, and then she goes up to these men and says, Men, I want to tell you, spies, listen to me. I know that your God is the true God. I've heard about what He's done. I heard about how He parted the Red Sea. I heard about the victories that He's given you. And I know that He's given you this land. I know that you're going to come and, and you're, this is going to be your land. It's been given to you. This is your promised land. I know it's going to happen. I, I know a war is coming and I know we're going to lose. And Rahab said this, I believe that your God is the one true God. I believe He is. And because I've saved you today as, as an act of faith, I want you to know I trust in your God too. Will you give me a token? Will, will, you, will you protect me? Will, will you take care of me? And of course they did. Look what the Bible says that they did for him. It's verses number 15. Then she let them down by a cord through the window, for her house was upon the town wall. And she dwelt upon the wall also. So her house was in the main wall around the city. And she said unto them, Get you to the mountain, lest pursuers meet you and hide yourselves there three days, until the pursuers be returned, and after may you go your way. And the men said unto her, We will be blameless of this thine oath which thou hast made us swear. Behold, when we come into the land that thou shalt bind this line of scarlet thread in the window which thou didst let down by. And thou shalt bring thy father and thy mother and thy brethren and all thy father's household home unto thee. And it shall be that whosoever shall go out of the doors of thy house into the street, his blood shall be upon his head. And we will be guiltless. And whosoever shall be with thee in the house, his blood shall be on your head, if any be upon him, if any hand be upon him. So here's just what happened. She let this, carlet, this, this red cord down the window, which was on the outer gates of the walls, uh, on the, uh, the outer walls of the city. And she let these spies down, and they were able to escape. These men, they, they escaped the hands of their captors because an unlikely woman, a harlot, did an unlikely deed. She defected and committed treason. And she ended up doing a righteous thing and she protected God's people. So what are we going to learn from all this? You know, you're going to see, I want you to put yourself in the shoes of this story and you're going to see how God's plan looked a little bit messy 
but we're going to see how it ended up working out for good. The first thing I want to show you is this. This plan ended up getting messy because of the unlikely rescuer. They were, they were rescued by someone that was really unlikely, someone you wouldn't have expected. See, if I'm going to go into a foreign country, and I'm going to be someone that's going to be spying out, I'm going on a recon mission, I don't want anyone to find me. I don't want anyone to see me. I don't want anyone to know who I am. And if for some reason I did need to talk to someone in that town, I was going to make sure before I did it was someone that was my friend. I was going to make sure that it was someone that I could trust, maybe some kind of informant or something, someone I knew was on my side. I wasn't just going to go walk through the town, find me a place, and hope it worked out all right. But you see, that's what worked out for them. They went into this town, they found this harlot's house, and it just so happened, out of this whole place of Jericho, they came upon the one place, the one place that they could have gone. Because if you jump ahead to the end of the story, Rahab's family was the only family that trusted in the things of God. Rahab was the only family out of Jericho that actually believed in what they were doing and believed that God of Israel was the true God. Therefore, they were the only ones that survived that attack. This harlot. So how is it that these two spies just happened to come to the right place? They were found in the hands of the enemy. These were found in the hands of an enemy and within this town they were going to attack. And then later you see that enemy wasn't just an enemy. Man, this was, this was a prostitute. Man, this was a prostitute. What, is, well, what are God's men doing in a prostitute's house? Now, if anybody is going to be someone that would rescue God's man, do you think it would be someone that would be the enemy? Not only that, do you think it would be someone in the enemy that would be a prostitute for the enemy? You wouldn't think so, would you? That's why we see this. I'm picturing this in my mind. If, if I was there and I was on that recon mission and I were going out to spy out the land of Jericho and I were to see an open door, probably I would think to myself, I don't want to get to know anyone in this town. I don't want to talk to anyone. I don't want anyone to know my name. I don't want anyone to know who I am. I want to be completely hid. And furthermore, I wouldn't go into the prostitute's house. I wouldn't go to, to that place. That's, that's not where I want to be. That's not where I want to go, especially as a child of God. That's not where I want to go. But can I tell you, that's where God's plan took him. God's plan took this recon mission into that house right into the hands of the enemy, right into the hands of the wicked. Now that, if I were writing the story of Jericho, and I were trying to make out a perfect plan, I wouldn't have done that. So you see, number one, within this story, this plan got messy because they had an unlikely rescuer. Can I say that maybe something will happen in your life that will come up? Maybe an unlikely person will help you out? Maybe someone, by all accounts of everyone else around you, this isn't the person that would ever help me. This isn't the person that, uh, that, that would ever be on my side. Do you know that for sure? Because just maybe, God will put a person that you would never expect into your life for a very real purpose. That's why we have to have open eyes. And what I want to encourage you with this is God will send you into that place. And when God opens a door, go through it. Go through it. 
This is why I say this, and be very careful when I say this. I, I don't want to lead anyone astray. In your day-to-day walk, God may open a door, God may close a door. Satan may open a door, and there may be other doors that are closed. And we have all these opportunities that come up. How do we know which ones are right? The only thing that you can do, Christian, is this. You need to stay as close to God as you possibly can. And when a door opens in front of you, you better be on your knees before God, begging to know that that door is the door you ought to go through. And if it's not, beg God to close it. Beg God to show you exactly where that ought to go. Because while you're looking through that door, it may look a little bit messy. And you might think, there's no way that's part of God's plan. But you don't know unless you're staying close to God in every step you take, you are bathing it with prayer. And if that's not where God would have you to go, I fully believe that He will shut that door if that's what He ought to be shut. And you see, God can direct us in that way. This is a door that was open to them. So here they were, that the door was open. It was in the enemy's house. It was in a prostitute's house. And it ended up being good because that open door allowed for the salvation of this girl named Rahab. And we're going to see it ended up being the salvation for her whole family as well. So the number one thing is this. Sometimes there are unlikely people. Here, it was an unlikely rescuer. Now I'm going to show you this. There was an unlikely rescuer. Now there's an unlikely righteousness. Do you know that sometimes there's things that, things that we have to do, things that come up that don't really look like a good deed, but maybe they are? For this one, I want you to put yourself in Rahab's shoes. You know what Rahab is doing? Rahab grew up in this town of Jericho. Her parents lived there. Her family lived there. Whatever brothers and sisters and family as she had, they all lived right there in the place of Jericho. This was her hometown. Right now, we live in this, where I am, I'm in this town of Big Timber. This is my hometown. My family aren't here, but, but, but this is where I live. This is my hometown. Now, imagine your hometown where you grew up, and it's not just you there, it's your whole family. Now, what if come to find out two, three, four miles down the road, there was an army that was on its way. And this army was on the way to take over your hometown. How big of a deal would it be for you to say to yourself, hometown, I think you guys are wrong. Those guys that are coming over here to fight us, I think they're right. That, my friend, is a big deal. That is a huge deal. To be able to turn your back on everything you know, to be able to turn your back on your hometown, to turn your back on your hometown's religion, to turn your back on everything you grew up with. You see, that's what Rahab did. When she, pulled these, these, uh, when she pulled these spies into her house, she looked at them and said, Look, I know God's with you guys. I know God is on your side. I know that God is, I know that God is with you. I know that your God is the true God and the gods that we worship here, they're, they're false. And everyone else is believing this, these false gods, these idol worship, I, I realize they're wrong. I want to worship your God. I want to worship the God of Israel. You see what she did? She defected. And then she took the spies of her enemy and she hid them. She protected them. We could say that would be treason. 
And then when the soldiers came and knocked on her door, where are they? We know they're here. What'd she do? She lied. Now we could, we, we could talk about the morality of that lie. I believe this is a situation where she was protecting God's men. Now listen. The reason I say this is an unlikely righteousness, it could be doing the right thing also sometimes looks a little messy. For Rahab, doing the right thing, it looked a little messy. It caused her to defect from her own country. It caused her to commit treason. It caused her to what we could say, quote-unquote, would be a false truth. Folks, she had to do some things that didn't really seem to make a whole lot of sense. And it may come a time for you. It may come a time that in your pursuit of righteousness, that you might have to do something that doesn't seem to just fall together very neatly. You might have to make a tough choice. You may have to go against a family member. You may have to go against a friend. You may have to go against a loved one. You may have to go against your, those you grew up with. You may have to go against the religion you grew up with. Whatever it is, you might have to go against some things, and that can get messy. But it's right. God is up in heaven looking down, knowing that that thing is right. And here's what I want you to know. What you're going to do, number two, is sometimes if there's a door, if it opens, you're going to be able to walk through it. If that's the door God wants you to walk through, bait it with prayer. And if it's not, ask Him to shut it. But the secondly, when I think about Rahab, what she had to do was this. She had to be willing to put God above everything else. So are you putting God above everything else? Are you putting God above everything? king and country, so to speak. Are you putting God as number one? Because when He is number one, He will light up the pathway that you need to be walking down. And while it might seem kind of messy, you'll know it's right and you'll know it's correct. So yes, there's an unlikely rescuer. There's an unlikely righteousness. Can I show you this though? There's an unlikely rescue. There's an unlikely rescue. And here's what I mean. There's an unlikely rescue for the sake of Rahab. Here's what I want to show you. It's in verse number 18. Rahab was told this, Behold, when we come into the land, thou shalt bind this line of scarlet thread in the window which thou didst let us down by. And thou shalt bring thy father and thy mother and thy brethren and all thy father's household home unto thee. And it shall be that whosoever go out of the doors of the house into the street, his blood shall be upon his head. Here's what was just told. And here's why I say it's an unlikely rescue. You see, God's plan for us has always been a very simple one. Do you want to be rescued? And when I say rescued, do you want to be rescued from the evil to come? Do you want to be rescued from your sin? Do you want to be rescued from the punishment of sin? It's a very easy, I say it's a very simple statement. It's not always an easy thing to do. But it's simple. Can I tell you all throughout the history of the Bible, the message has always been the same. Do you know what God told the people as Noah was over here building the ark? Noah had his timber, he had his hammer, and I picture my mind as he was out there working away on this boat. You know what he was preaching? Get on the ark! Get on the ark! Hey, the rains are coming! If you get on the ark, you'll be saved! Just get in the ark, you'll be saved! It's a very simple message. Get on board. Get on board and you'll be saved. You know what's happening here with Rahab? Rahab was told whoever's in your house, they'll be saved. 
I could see Rahab the very evening going to her family. Friends, family, come on, get in the doors. Get in the doors of the house. Get in the doors. Listen, the enemy's coming. Get in the doors. Our town's going to fall. Get in the doors and you'll be saved. What did they have to do to Rahab? They had to get on board. As long as they would open the doors and get in, they'd have been saved. The Bible tells us that her and her family, all that were in her house, they were saved. You know, everyone that was in the boat during the flood, they were saved. And can I tell you this? Everyone that's in Christ, everyone that's in Christ will be saved. Everyone that finds himself in Christ will be saved. Because while they were in that ark, the rains came and the floods, they fell and, and, and the water began to rise and all around them was chaos. But if you were in the ark, you were saved. When Jericho began to fall and the walls began to crumble and, and war broke out, it was all around them was chaos. But if they were inside the house, they were safe. Now all around us today is chaos. No, I don't necessarily mean the stuff of the virus. I'm talking about the chaos of sin. I'm talking about sin sickness. I'm talking about the, the debt that I owe for my sin. All around us is sin. All around us is evil. Do you want to be saved? Get on board. Get on board with Jesus Christ. I'm not saying show up at church and start doing church. I'm talking about get on board with Jesus Christ. I'm talking about let His sin, let His blood payment forgive you of your sin. Because all those that are on board with Christ, they will be saved. Now here's why I say we could say that would be a little, maybe a little unlikely. See, it was an unlikely rescue because that whole town was going to collapse. All she had to do was just, well, really nothing. Go in her house and shut the door. She had to let a little cord out her window so that everyone would know that's her house, but she didn't have to do anything. See, that's unlikely. When the whole town is collapsing, you want to tell me that one house is going to be still standing there when everything else is dropping? <laughs> yeah, okay. Hey, Noah, you're going to tell me the whole world is going to be flooded and no one's going to live except you and that little boat that you've got right there? <laughs> yeah, okay. Now you want to tell me that everyone here, everyone on the face of the planet, we're born sinners and the only way we can get forgiveness of that sin is through Jesus Christ and let Him take care of it for us? Yeah, that is what I'm saying. And you see, there's nothing in and of ourselves that we can do. That rescue comes from Jesus Christ. Now can I tell you this, and we're going to wrap up the story and we'll not turn there, but you know, a lot of people... They believe that, that Rahab, because of her act of faith, when the soldiers came, the walls fell, and we begin to see that she was able to be saved alive. The Bible says in Joshua uh, chapter number 6, verse number 22, But Joshua had said unto the two men that had spied out the country, Go into the harlot's house and bring out thence the woman and all that she hath as ye swear unto her. And the young men that were spies went in and brought out Rahab and her father and her mother and her brethren and all that she had. And they brought out all her kindred and left them without the camp of Israel. And they burned the city with fire and all that was therein, only the silver and the gold and the vessels of brass and the iron and put into the treasury in the house of the Lord. So what happened? Verse number 25, And Joshua saved Rahab the harlot alive. You see, she was saved. This was a great reward. And when you turn over to the book of Matthew, chapter number 1, verse number 4, you'll find a gal in there that has a New Testament spelling for the name Rahab. 
And it was right around this time period. And if this is the exact same Rahab, you'll find out she was in the family of Jesus Christ Himself. So yeah, on the outside looking at this plan, you see there's this... These two guys, they're told to go in and spy, and they go into the enemy's house. They go into a harlot's house, and then now the harlot, she's going to defect. She's going to commit treason. She's going to lie, and now the whole town's going to fall apart except for her one house. Listen, that plan is kind of, from my point of view, a little bit messy. You know why? Because I'm looking at the underside of that picture. God's on the top looking down saying, you know what? That gal right there, she trusts me. I'm going to work out a way to save her alive. I'm going to work out a way to, to keep her safe. And he did. And God took all these things that didn't work out and worked them out for something good. Now here's your lesson this morning, Christian. And don't leave without understanding this one thing. Stay true to God even when it looks messy. You might not know what's going on. You might not know why it's going on. As long as you are staying true to God Almighty, I can promise you, He'll put you where He wants you. He'll work it out in the end. He'll work out all the details. All you need is enough light to see you to take the next step. Stay true to God. While His plan gets a little messy from our point of view, it's just because I don't understand it. Friends, stay true to God. Even when things begin to look a little bit messy. Our God in heaven, I love you and I thank you so much for this scripture. Lord, I pray that you would help us to understand this very simple and but yet this very important truth. I absolutely believe there are going to be those that are watching this and listening to the sound of my voice right now. I believe that they are going through a time where their life seems messy where some kind of decision is coming up they don't have an answer for. I believe something has just happened in their life plan that's just thrown them for a loop and they don't know how to handle it. But Lord, I do believe this also. Just because it looks a little, a little hard to understand from our side, Lord, you've already got it worked out. You told us in Romans 8, 28, and we know that all things work together for good. To them that are the called according to His purpose. I pray that you would help us to be the ones that are called according to your purpose. May we stay true. May we trust you when we don't understand. May we go through the doors that you open in front of us. And Lord, should a door open you don't want us to go through, shut them. May we follow closely to you. Now, Lord, I pray that you bless each and every person that would have heard this. May we take these things and use them. Help us to never lose heart. May we never lose faith just because we don't understand. May we never quit just because it doesn't seem as tidy as we want it. May we never stop. Lord, may our faith and trust be totally in you. And it's in Jesus' name we ask for this help. Amen. Now, thank you so much again for joining us for our video service today. This March 29th is Sunday morning. I hope this has been a blessing to you. I hope you're able to learn something out of the life of Rahab and about those spies. You know, right now, you might be the person that's going through that tough time. Maybe God's plan for your life has just gone so sideways, you have no idea what He's doing. Friend, don't quit. Stay at it. God's still in control. Take heart. Because one of two things is true. Either God's in control, or He isn't.
you letting God be in control of your life? Well, friends, I look forward to seeing you again next time. I look forward, church family, to being back here together in the auditorium together where we can be face-to-face. Man, I can't wait to see you all again. You know we love you guys. If there's anything you can do for us or, or we can do for you, please let us know. And if you don't have a church home, hey, try visiting us here at Bible Baptist Church right here in Big Timber as soon as we're all able to be back together again. I hope we can be a blessing to you. God bless.